Welcome to Portrait of an Editor. I am Francis Lombard. On this episode, Alex Antone and I discuss the freedom that comes with editing second-tier series, his work on the Arrowverse line of comics, his mentors Mark Chiarello and Ben Abernathy, and the difference in editing a DC comic versus an image comic. Also, we dig into what makes a Skybound comic and how Alex went about launching Skybound Comet for the YA market. Finally, he passes along the best way to fix a cover. A reminder, please check out the Portrait of an Editor Patreon page. You can find the earlier interviews all the way back from 2017, and it's just a buck a month to join. Now here's my conversation with Alex. Enjoy. Alex, welcome to Portrait of an Editor. Seeing we were talking for like the last 15 minutes before we started recording about sort of uh, teams and, and everything and rivalries, uh, especially between the Chargers and the Patriots and how some of those playoff games were really good and really nasty back in the aughts. Yeah, mostly really bad for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you worked at D.C., and it just popped into my head as we were just getting into it of like, how do I start this? And I'm like, was there any of that sort of back and forth that we used to have, like that Stan Lee and DC had back, you know, when he was there and even up into the 90s? And I know it got a little heated, you know, when Joe Casada and Bill Jemis took over to the point where I don't think anybody was talking to each other at one point. But was yeah. there sort of, you know, a back and forth and sort of a nice little sort of challenging of rivalry. like we're gonna yeah right marvel and dc yeah that yeah. sort of kept the blood flowing a little or is that I, I think so i mean i i think when we, we i can't speak for marvel obviously i never worked at marvel but <laughs> i could say and, and i've definitely witnessed things that make me think yeah they're definitely aware of what dc is doing uh and, and purposely try to mess with dc sometimes um but yeah i, th- I think especially during the time that i was at dc there was a very clear sort of we need to like marvel sort of the benchmark and we need to hit or exceed where where marvel is or try to um i think we really only considered marvel to be our competitor like we didn't really consider indie comics as a competitor it seemed like i'm sure that was true obviously we were battling for talent and all that but um yeah definitely i mean dc entertainment was formed as a result of marvel being bought by Disney. So it was, there's obviously a, 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 an awareness between the two entities of what the other is doing and always trying to one up each other and, um, and, you know, steal talent from the other, the other side. And, um, you know, when I was in DC, they brought Bendis over, which was, you know, considered at the time to be a big deal. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot between the two companies that, that drives things. Um, how did it like affect, I mean, how did you look upon it when you're, you know, showing up day to day or the long-term planning you had as an editor of like, what, what can I do to really show up Marvel? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I never, I never thought of it like that, <laughs> but you know, it, it was, for me, it was like, how do I make, make sure that my books are good and how do I get them to sell as many copies as possible? Those were, those were kind of the two, two key things that I would think about. Um, Oh, and, and, you know, cause I was never editing Batman. I was editing, you know, maybe I guess second tier sort of titles um, for the most part, like Teen Titans and um, which I considered a first tier title, but uh, you know, the, the sales didn't necessarily reflect that. So I was more fighting for visibility within DC, you know, and just saying like, I, I want to make sure that my books feel important. 
when Batman sort of always is going to feel important. You know, that's just, it was especially as long as they're doing a good job, that Batman's always going to feel like the book uh, at DC, certainly has in recent years. So for me, I was always like, okay, how do I get people to notice? How do I get people to care? Um, that, that was the constant struggle. How, you know, and there's just looking at the numbers every month and fighting gravity, which is what it felt like. Um, things always go down. That's just the way it goes. It's not, it's the nature of the business. So how do you get things to level out? How do you, especially once it's going, that's why like it's, it's the key, at least I've found with um, editing monthly comics is just starting as strong as possible because then everything kind of goes from there. There's, there's a, you know, examples of books that, start medium or start low and then catch fire but those are like really rare really rare examples most of the time it's however strong you start is is directly indicative of kind of where things go the high point standpoint but the thing is the great thing about a second tier book and those are the books that usually do start could start weak and then really take off because of whatever is being done i mean did you ever think about that of like how can i you know you're steering the books i mean let me make sure I'm not wrong, but at a DC, you're overseeing, you're sort of, you're shepherding the books, you're shepherding those characters yeah. a little more than the creative team is really, because your creative team could come in and out or what was your yeah. sort of share yeah. of, of being responsible for the, the direction of the series? I mean, it, how it, how it should work usually is that, uh, you know, you hire, you hire a team because you, like what they do, right? You like either the artist or the or the writer, or you like the team together. Sometimes they're the same person, um, and you and if you know, I have to make the distinction that this is specifically at like a DC where you're in charge of specific titles versus what I do now, which is more like in, you know, um, creator driven original things. But um, yeah, I mean, you have a general idea of of what you want, or you have an idea of what you think a good Teen Titans book looks like, or what you'd like to see a Teen, Teen Titans book look like. And then you bring in somebody to give you that thing. And, you know, there's a process of getting to know each other and building trust and all of that. That's always very, uh, very touch and go at first, especially if, with somebody that you've never worked with before. But um, yeah, it, it, but I, I, I never thought of it as like me dictating the story or anything like that. I really did try to let the talent lead. That's their, that's their job, you know? My job is more just to make sure that things stay on the rails. Um, I'm there as like a sound, you know, we can get into the, the, the many jobs of an editor, but like my, I'm there, I'm there sort of as a sounding board. I'm there as a, as a, you know, when you, when you're bowling, you get those bumpers that come up and prevent you from rolling it, going into the gutter. Like that's kind of me, you know, I'm just like, Hey, let's keep it, let's keep it going this direction. Um, or yeah, just, just, just kind of be, be both like a cheerleader and a teacher and, and making sure that like, it's all, it's all going in a direction that makes sense for the story, but also for the company as a whole, you know, um, you have to be, especially in like a shared universe situation, you have to be aware of what's happening in the other books. Um, so that like, Hey, I want to kill this character in this book. Oh no, actually they're popping up, you know, two months from now in this other book. So that's not going to fly. Um, so there's, there's a lot of that, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I really always viewed the creators that I worked with as sort of like partners. Like we we're kind of all in the trenches together, figuring it out. Um, yeah. Do you encourage them to take risk because they were, you know, if they were in a second tier book, like you were talking about, the, the sort of really Sorry take about the, the risk. Right <laughs> um, uh, 
You say, do I encourage them to take risks? Yeah, especially with the position that you were in, as you were saying, that you sort of you're not on a Batman book. You're not under the you know this microscope at times of Batman. You, I mean, Teen Titans is an important book, and the characters definitely um, resonate with a lot of people beyond the comics too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, or any other things that you were writing that you could be a little more take a little more risk in character development if because maybe these characters weren't being pulled into other you know parts of the shared universe yeah um it, it just to create an i mean as an editor how did you create an environment of like okay guys we're not going to be matching batman numbers but let's have fun and see you know where the chemistry takes yeah. the series and the creators and, and you what kind of ride we can have yeah yeah i mean i, I definitely encourage risk taking i definitely encourage creating new things um I think and it's, it's challenging now that the, the, the marketplace is, is so fickle, especially nowadays when you're doing, um, you know, regular sort of periodical DC monthly comics, there's a certain thing that I think retailers respond to or, or uh, fans respond to, which is a lot of like familiarity. I always felt like they responded to, they wanted the familiar, but they wanted it presented in a new way, <laughs> you know, like or they, yeah. wanted, they knew where it was going, but they wanted us, you know, they obviously still want to be surprised. Um, I liked doing things that seemed kind of crazy <laughs> and then, you know, maybe we're actually less crazy, but I, 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 I was never afraid of like stoking some sort of fan uh, response or outrage given you know the fact that i knew where we were actually headed with things or we had a good reason for doing things but um i don't see that quite as much anymore because i think people just i don't know i feel like it feels like in the in, when i was getting into comics in the mid 2000s um i saw a lot of you know uh, publishers doing more interesting and riskier things with the characters that um that upset people, but they, they were never really worried about upsetting people because <laughs> it seemed like they always were like, no, we're, you know, we, we, we're going to stay the course. I think Twitter wasn't as loud, you know, at that mm -hmm. point. And um, so it's just, it's just been interesting to watch the evolution of like, how do you, how do you engage with the fans? Um, how do you take into account what the fans want, but also give them something that's new and interesting that might, uh, you know, ultimately everyone's showing up to be entertained and <laughs> taking on, they love the DC characters and they want, you know, to, to be taking on a story, uh, a familiar ride, but um, so taking, taking risks and taking things in new directions and doing things with the characters that have never been done before is always inherently risky. But I just feel like if you don't do that, then you're going to end up with a pretty boring book <laughs> that everyone kind of just feels forgettable. Um, so like we did, we did a lot of things with Teen Titans that like some things worked, some things didn't work. We created characters, some stuck, some didn't stick. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was definitely part of the fun um, and sales maintained a high enough number that like it was considered a successful book. I'm sure we would have liked to have sold more, but uh, you know, it, it maintained for a long time. I think it's, I think they ended the current, the Teen Titans run that I was, that I was on now at this point and started like Teen Titans Academy or something like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely encourage risk taking. I definitely encourage think, people to do different things, create new characters. Um, but don't, you know, there, there's still sort of some basic principles that this is going back to being an editor. Like you have to kind of know what the audience expects so that you can give them what they expect, but in a different way or a new way or a surprising way. And I think that's, that's where the magic is. There's no real like formula to that. It's just sort of, 
what does this feel right? Does this feel like a book that people want to read? Does this, does this feel like a premise that will get people excited, get retailers excited? That's the other thing is you're, you're considering, you're not just considering the fans when you're writing, when you're doing the book, you're considering like what do the retailers respond to? Because they're ultimately like hand selling these books to fans, um, which is good. Yeah. So. Which is, it's weird because they are, they're fans themselves usually. Sure. And they're the fans. And, and they're that... the most jaded fans because they've been doing it. You know, just for, they've been doing it forever, right? Just like any like me as an editor, like ten years in, or you know, other editors have been doing it way longer. Like you get to a point where nothing is surprising. <laughs> Everything yeah. feels or, like a rehash, you know. Or, or I find so, out when's the last time you read or actually read a comic book as a you know, even though you're yeah. a comic book oh, editor. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's been actually really fun since I left DC to go back and read DC for fun um, mm-hmm. because. You know, when when you're there reading DC comics, at least for me, like I did it, but it, but it always felt like work, you know. And so now reading, you know, the current Batman run or reading like the I like the book Robin right now at uh, at DC is like my one of my favorite books. And reading that book is just like, oh, I'm just having a nice time <laughs> reading reading about this character that I worked on for so long that like, oh, okay, no, I'm I'm in, I'm on board with all these things. This is cool, especially when they do a good job, which they are. So. Now, did handling talent and sort of bringing, you know, because of the, the unique aspect of a shared universe in DC Comics was the time you started, like, in, what is it, 2012, you started yeah. at DC as a digital ta- uh, new talent administrator? Yeah. yeah. What, what exactly is that? I, and- mean, that's a, I didn't know when I started. Um, <laughs> so, so it was, I did the interview um, with so Ben Abernathy was the guy that hired me. Okay. He was my internship supervisor back at Wildstorm, which is where I had my first foray in comics, learned what a comic book editor was, um, learned I wanted to be a comic editor, you know, because who knows what a comic editor actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, but learning like, oh, this is a, this seems like a cool job. This seems like a job that I could do. It takes advantage of all this, the, the skill set that I have. Um, so then I, but yeah, when I graduated from college there weren't any jobs available that you know were were a fit so i left it was did did the game industry for a while for two three years um doing sort of adjacent responsibilities as like a producer and as like assistant producer and and stuff like that but yeah then in 2012 this job got i think i was kind of like ready to move on from my current job and uh i reached out and there was this job posting called new talent administrator so i had a conversation with i were very vividly in, sitting in my car having a conversation with them like what is this job <laughs> and he goes well it's basically like an associate editor with the additional responsibilities of like going to conventions and meeting talent and working with like Mark Chiarello at the time, who was the kind of the head of any kind of scouting that was happening at DC and running yep. the DC um, submissions, artist submissions uh, stuff at portfolio reviews. Um, and I was like, well, that sounds cool. <laughs> that sounds like the best version of that job. Cause a lot of times when you're a younger editor, you don't actually get sent to conventions and stuff like that. So it's like, well, this seems like a great scenario. It, like the actual new talent uh, administrating part of it, I would say your that position was not set up for success because as a new guy coming in and going like, hey, what about this artist? What about this artist? What about this guy? Editors kind of like like to find people themselves, <laughs> and they also have their own sort of bullpen of people that they go to. And um, so I would say like really all I did was build up my own roster of talent 
for you know my own books the future. which was which was great <laughs> so but like i remember suggesting people at the time and editors would kind of just like okay you know i think editors are just so overworked in general that you know it's it's tough to present information unless there's a specific purpose or like hey are you hiring for this book specifically here's a person to do this specific thing if you present them like hey generally speaking i like this artist what do you think it's kind of like okay yeah they're cool and that's kind of where the conversation that's, that's the end of it yeah exactly <laughs> so um so yeah, so I, I got to learn, I got to go to a bunch of conventions with Mark Tirello, which is really fun. Um, and, uh, but pretty soon, I think I was only in that role for like maybe a year, maybe less than a year. And then they, as, as is what happens at DC, like every 18 months, they restructure everything. <laughs> so, uh, so at that point I was, uh, I was just, they were like, you're an associate editor. That's your job. Like, Okay. That's that's fine. That's what I wanted to do anyway. So, um, and then, and then pretty soon after that, I was promoted because uh, Ben had left, and there was a lot of there was um, opportunity to just do more, and I was I was doing more, and um, I was I was lucky to be in a situation where the timing worked out for me to get promoted. But um, yeah, it was, it was it was a weird weird start <laughs> for sure. Any long time I was time doing with- digital books exclusively. Uh, yeah, you were doing, but for the most part. Um, in, in, injustice or something i think i read some of those a while back i didn't do um, injustice I, I did adventures of superman i did batman beyond justice league beyond um basically the, the beyond universe at the time was all digital i inherited that from ben and relaunched it and that was really fun um that was sort of the first ongoing thing that i that i worked on um and then, uh, yeah, like all the TV show tie-in comics I was doing. So I, that was kind of cool because I got to meet a lot of the, the actors and, um, you know, work with the people that were working on Arrow and Flash and uh, those shows as they were. And that was the very beginning of the sort of that universe of characters. So it was, it was, it was fun to see the writer's room and see all that stuff, um, you know, get, get uh, contracts signed by... Uh, getting in my car and driving over to Glendale, going to the writer's room and literally handing them and saying, please sign this so we can pay you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, speaking of like things that are sort of under the radar, um, all the books that I worked on there, especially because we were a digital group within a larger sort of DC and DC at the time, you know, the main DC universe and Vertigo and everything was all East Coast still. So we were a really small, scrappy group that were doing a lot of work, but we were also, I think, you know, largely left alone to do our thing. And so it was really fun. I really, like, I really valued the books that I worked on at that time because it was a really great uh, time to to really learn and, yeah, just have fun and do do, do cool books and, and the stakes weren't very high. And that those are always the books I, I had more fun with were the books that were a little bit different, a little bit weird, or like anthologies where you could work with new talent and really just go through people and see what, what works and what doesn't, what doesn't work. And um, those are the, those are the things that I always felt like I had the most fun with because it was just, let's just see if it works. And if it doesn't like nobody, <laughs> there's no problems. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Did you ever have to deal with any kind of licensing? Because I know uh, oh, the time. Batman Beyond was, you know, yeah. W Warner Brothers animation. And of course the Arrowverse is, yeah. is a CW or whatever, but you also have uh, oh, yeah. you know, live yeah. actors who have contracts yeah. too. So did you have to juggle some of that licensing and was that? Um, a yeah, it was, we de- I mean, we did full on license comics as well, but uh, like it was, there was a weird sort of middle ground on the things were also owned by Warner Brothers. Um, 
and were DC characters. So there was, it was, it was a, it was an interesting situation. We were never, excuse me, we we're never usually allowed to uh, uh, use actor likenesses. Because oh, really? I think, like we could use, sometimes they, they, they allowed us to use like photo covers and things like that to promote the books. And like, I remember they, they, the flash, um, season zero trade paperback had you know uh grant gustin's face on it and i remember phil hester being like all my books should have grant gustin's face on them as a cover because this thing sold really well um but uh yeah we, we always called it like evocative of so and so and so it was never supposed to be exact and so that, i think that's kind of how we got away with uh not not going through a really crazy approval process. Plus, I was literally working with the writers of the show that were also the executive producers of the show, and so um, like Mark Guggenheim like made it really easy. Yeah. <laughs> so like, if it was good with him, it was good. You know, it, um, it helps when uh, somebody's also got comic book experience too. Sure. You know? Yeah, for sure. And that, that was actually good because there, there was a lot of writers that didn't have comic book experience, like you know, TV show writers that were like, here, you got an issue of this comic to write. And so, especially early on in my career, working with people that had never written comics before and having to kind of explain how to do it, I think was really good for me to kind of articulate uh, early on and, and, and just think about it myself. Cause like, there's no, there's no training for comic book editing. Like, no. In the formal sense, there's no school <laughs> you can go to that where you learn how to be a comic editor. It's all sort of on the job training, and it really comes down to like who you who you learn from directly. Like that's why I was really thankful that to have was, Ben as as my internship supervisor, and then later as my boss again, like teaching me things and working with him. Um, I was yeah. in an interesting situation though because I was never an assistant editor, <laughs> so yeah. I was never actually assisting anybody. But I would just sort of learn by talking and asking questions, and that's something I think that is one of my strengths is just like, I'm not afraid to ask a question and be like, I don't understand this. Can you explain this or help me, help me, help me get to, uh, you know, where, where you are in this. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was definitely, um, you know, getting thrown into the fire and figuring it out. I definitely made a lot of mistakes and, you know, it's continue to make mistakes to this day, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird job <laughs> because there's no formal process, you know, but to in filmmaking, yeah, one one thing I picked up like in filmmaking, um, a Conrad Hall, who is an amazing cinematographer, he did a, um, a shoot. Searching for Bobby Fisher was one of the last movies, but he's, you know, if I look up Conrad Hall, and you'll see all the amazing movies that he did. He had this thing about finding, you know, having that the. <laughs> a creative mistake that sometimes the mistake takes you down a path that allows you to find something and do something or whatever, or get a point of view that allows that actually leads to something better Yeah, that he would seem to want an environment around where mistakes or different point of things forced him to get out of his sort of security, you know, uh, comfort zone. Yeah, And yeah. you're new and you're also with digital and the arts was just beginning to come up and yeah. no one really knew where it was going. And then the universes that you're in and everything, and you know, the CW universe is just beginning, you know, and, and stuff like that. It just seemed sort of a perfect environment to ask questions and also not be sort of, but you were also, it sounds like you were forced to sort of really look at the art form a little to have answers for the mm -hmm. writers and go, no, it's not a guy who can walk across the floor. <laughs> you can't just write that and have them shoot it. You also yeah. you have to write, how does he get to the door? Or 
is it one panel, two panels, three panels and stuff like that? Yeah. Did you, would the job sort of really force you to break down the medium and how it communicates and tells stories Definitely. at times? Yeah. yeah. Especially with new people, you know, new, new writers specifically, that was, that, that sort of became my thing for a while. I was working with a lot of writers that were like first time comic book writers. And so, yeah, being able to break down why something works, why something doesn't work, articulate, you know, um, all that. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was truly education for everyone involved because I was forced to, it, a lot of it was innate. I was obviously a comic book reader. Uh, I think I'm, a, I'm, I'm good at observing. I'm good at sort of breaking things down. I'm a good problem solver. So like, but actually being forced to articulate all of that for somebody that was trying to do a job um, was, it, it was great. It was great timing. I, I was really, really happy that I came in and got to do the things that I did because it was, it was all, like you said, even the mistakes, like it was all meaningful <laughs> and, the, and, and, and the, it, it gave me a really, really good foundation very quickly. Um, and I could, you know, I was always, I was also using project management skills and, and coming over from video games where things are, you know, there's just a lot more variables. Like it was, that was helpful experience as well to bring in, but uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I'm really, really thankful that I got to work with the people that I got to work with and work on the books that I got to work with because it was it was a great education. Well, that was another thing I was going to say is that <laughs> Mark Chiarello, people who are longtime listeners know that he sort of is responsible for, the, responsible for this podcast in a roundabout way. Ben, I knew back in the aughts at one point when I was at Humanoids. I mean, to have, to be under their tutelage. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go wrong. I mean, no, 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 it was no, great. For, like, sure. for sure. For you know, sure. No, Mark, and, and like, I don't even think Mark you won. <laughs> thinks about himself as anyone that influenced me at all. But like, I, I definitely was influenced by him and just talking with him, even, even just the casual conversations that we would have, like waiting in line for coffee at a convention. Like I remember, I remember those conversations. I bet he doesn't, but I remember those conversations and, and, uh, uh, and the fact that he, he also showed, so much confidence in me so quickly really gave me confidence. So that was, that was really like, I really did, especially those two specific people, Ben and Mark, like I always felt very supportive and believed in by those two people. And I respected them so much that I was like, okay, well, you know, I must, I must have some potential here if they, if they think I can do it. So. Um, did you come back, come from an art background or did you have to learn the art background? Had to completely had to learn. I mean, I, I, you know, I grew up like everybody reading like how to draw co comics the Marvel way. And like, mm -hmm. all, so I read all of those books and honestly, that's probably where a lot of my knowledge comes from is just like reading those, those kinds of art books and, and, uh, and story, you know, books. And like the, I remember the wizard one was really good. That was mm -hmm. like, uh, kind of broke down some of the main features in, in wizard magazine over the years. Um, so there's uh, Mark's book, uh, coloring yep. for comics, yep. DC and the lettering yep. framed ink, I think is another one that I read that was really good. Like, yeah, there, there's a, there, and that was also one of the things I probably bugged Mark about really early. I was like, what, what more book should I read? What, what else should I, should I look at? Um, but no, I was, I was English. So I, I went to college at university of San Diego. Uh, I did my internship, which was honestly my real education in comics, but, uh, I, I was a business administration major because I was too chicken to be an English major. <laughs> and uh, I was an English minor and I, all of my English classes were my favorite classes and I tolerated the business classes, but I was like, you know, I think, I think having some business background is probably not a bad idea in case, you know, this other stuff 
And at that point, I, I think, I mean, I was pretty early on in college being like, I want to be a comic editor. So, uh, which is pretty rare, but, uh, you know, I knew like, Hey, there's like, there's like 10 comic editors. So I should probably just play the odds a little bit here and maybe, maybe get a business degree and maybe, maybe consider other things in entertainment. And that was obviously how I ended up with video games. But, um, yeah, I, I, like I, I, for one of my business classes though, I remember I created a comic book company mm-hmm. <laughs> as like a, as a final project was like, here's the, and the, the, uh, the like signature character, this is how, you know, great this company was. The signature character was called exact change man. And his superpower was he always had exact change, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, maybe is a dated reference now because this is cash, but, uh, but, but yeah, that was, so, so we had to, you know, come up with the business side of this comic book company and how many titles we were going to do and, you know, come up with, uh, we did a lot of spreadsheets, which has continued into my current career of doing a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of P&Ls and things like that. Um, so like having the business background is absolutely useful and wasn't, you know, it, it was it was something that I think a lot of other editors maybe didn't have. So what, what I lacked in actual, like, you know, I didn't go to film school, I didn't go to... Um, you know, anything like that. So it was, it was, I was learning sort of the arts side of things, but the business and planning and strategy stuff I, I had figured well, out. Well, there is a bunch of stuff on, for editors. I mean, I don't know what you had to do. You probably have to, uh, well, with Skybound, so we'll move up into the future, I mean, the present a little more. Are you, as a senior editor, are you coming up with budgets for your books? Did Even at DC, did you have to do budget your books at times? And so it was the strangest thing. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I thought you were done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's just, there's a business part that we really don't talk about here, yeah. but I mean, I did it a lot when I was at, you know, when I was humanoids, I learned how to do it, I, and then I went to the film school route, school route too, but I was at a producing track, so there was a lot of business aspect of yeah. of learning how to, uh, how are we, how are we going to pay for this? Yeah. How are we going to get this up and running? You know, and that's the business part. So, I, so it, at DC, at first, when I was in the digital group, uh, I definitely had budgets for all of my books. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was like full on doing the P&L sheets and really like getting in there. But I was, you know, I also did like custom comics and things where like companies would pay us to do comics for them. And so I'd keep a budget there. I was definitely very budget conscious. Like I, I was working in... Uh, Hank Canalta's group, and I love Hank. Hank is one of the first, well, he's the guy that basically said, hey, yeah, we can maybe do intern stuff at Wildstorm. So uh, it was, he was great. I love, I love Hank. Um, but he was also very much like, I want you guys to understand the business. You know, I want, I, I want you guys to consider how much money you're spending because it's important. Um, and so I definitely kept budgets for all of those books. Um, but then when I started doing DC Universe stuff, it was weird because that all went away. <laughs> and like, I would only be told that I spent too much money on something after it was done. <laughs> and somebody would come to me and go, Hey, uh, yeah, you really, you really killed your budget with this hire. And I was like, well, I didn't have a budget, so I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's changed now. But okay. I think, I think uh, it was weird. It was weird how how they, at the time, little we talked about how much money we were spending on things. Uh, because it felt, to, it felt like this is important. <laughs> and so it was, it, was, it was like completely focused on the creative and the books and keeping things on schedule and keeping the machine going versus really thinking 
more broadly about kind of the decisions that were getting made, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to explore a different thing because I actually enjoy thinking about everything. I enjoy, I enjoy having to think about the business side because I want to know why we're making all the decisions that we're making. And that, and that Skybound, I am in charge of all my P&Ls. Like, obviously, I work with a lot of really smart people that help make decisions. But, like, I have to come up with the budget. I have to, I, you know, it's a really lean team at Skybound in the best possible way. And I, I think it um, it's a perfect fit for me and what I'm looking for. But, I, uh, yeah, it's totally different in that you are totally responsible for everything at Skybound, like, from top to bottom. Versus at DC, it was, like, stay in your lane, do your thing. Other people will worry about the money, <laughs> you know, other people will worry about this and that. And it's just, it's just a different, a different thing. Cause obviously DC has, has to put out a certain number of books every month. They've got, you know, it's, it's a large, large, large company. And um, it's a, just a completely different way of making comics um, as I found out. So, so one of the, the, the main reason why we're talking is because on Twitter, you retweeted something. What does it, what are comic book editors actually? And you know, project managers, administrator, marketer, teacher, talent scout, leader, scripts uh, editor, team builder, art director, proofreader, copy editor, cheerleader, counselor, mentor, yeah. sounding board, friend, and problem solver. <laughs> never so, friend. Never friend. friend. No. Yes. I um. think that. But, <laughs> so uh, what is, as a senior editor at Skybound, I mean, are you hitting all those? What is your sort yeah. of... What Definitely. what does a senior I mean, more? Like it's, <laughs> what else is there? Uh, Babysitter? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean cruise the, director. The, <laughs> the financing side of it could be, you know, another sort of uh, Venn diagram. But uh yeah, I mean, I think it all comes that I was thinking about that today, like how do you boil it all down? And I really think that is I don't know if problem solver is on there, but that's kind of what it is. Like you could kind of boil it all, all down to problem solver. And I think that is something that I've always been good at, and I think any like all the best editors that I've worked with have been fantastic problem solvers, and always, you know, may, they maybe don't have all the answers, but they know how to ask the right questions, and they know how to get to a place that everybody is ultimately like satisfied with. Um, I, I, I think whether you know, and, and every every book is going to be different. Every creator is going to be different. You can't, I think what was one of the mistakes I made early on in my career was taking sort of a one size fits all approach to creators and being like, well, I'm just going to treat everybody the same and it's all fair. And I just want to be fair to everybody. And like, obviously I want to be fair to everybody, but I think that looks different for every person. So uh, I think giving people, and as, as I'm, as I'm talking about people uh, like giving everybody has a problem or has something that they need and being able to find the right fit for that problem with, in terms of story, creators, time, budget, uh, everything from top to bottom is, is, is unique. And so being able to treat everybody differently, I think is really an important part of any editor's maturation is understanding like, yeah, you know, it's not a one size fits all thing. You can't solve every problem the same. Every book is gonna have different, um, it's gonna need a different touch. Every creator is gonna need a different touch some creators respond well to some types of feedback, other creators don't. And so it's, it's learning and understanding people and dealing with, it's a lot of soft skills, honestly, which sounds very businessy, but it's a lot of sort of soft skills and just learning how to talk to people and interact with people and, and make them feel heard. I think that's the ultimate thing is like everybody in the process of making a, a piece of art wants to feel like their voice is being heard and that they matter. Um, especially at a Marvel or DC where, you know, it's, it's just, you you are, 
in the machine. <laughs> and sometimes it's very easy to feel like your voice doesn't really matter. Um, and, uh, and, but, but finding a way to bring enthusiasm, bring kindness and, and, but also, you know, professionalism and making sure that, uh, you know, things get done. Um, it's a, it's a tough balance, but that is definitely, to me, I think the job beyond like notes, you know, beyond budgeting, like the job is just like handling everybody sort of differently and giving them what they need so that we could get to the end goal of having a good comic that everybody's proud of. That's, that's really what I think editing is. Okay. That's it. No, let's go home. It's a great answer. How do you, how do you break that down? Or it's really, I mean, I think the best way to say, it, and maybe this is something I've been trying to get with other conversation. It's an instinct. It's being able to, Know yourself, know yourself and know other people and be able to understand, be able to listen to people, but also I maybe have you, do you, you probably feel you've gotten better as you've gotten older in this job in just realizing situations and realizing the personalities, because you're just balancing personalities. You're dealing with personalities in one way or another and able to read people either quickly, slowly, or, but able to engage with them in a way that is productive for everybody and positive, I guess. If you're delivering bad news to somebody, how do you start a conversation to sort of keep them on the team or whatever? You don't want to, you're not firing somebody, but you're like, I have to disappoint you today. How do you approach that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that's, um, that is a thing that you learn and you're not going to be good at it first. I (laughs) I would say in general, like there was, you know, times where I've delivered news it's gone over terribly at times that I've delivered news. And it's, and I remember like, I remember one guy, I think I even had to let go of this inker because of, it doesn't really matter why, but I, I walking away from the conversation, the anchor was like, thank you so much, Alex. Like I really kind of come away feeling like better than I was before. And I'm like, I don't know how this happened, <laughs> but I need to do whatever I just did with everybody because this is uh, this is crazy. Uh, but no, I, it, for sure, I, I I think it's it's an art, it's a soft skill. Uh, if I wanted to break it down into some components, I think it's definitely. It kind of depends on the situation. Like if I actually am firing somebody because they didn't hit a deadline, or it's just time, you know, or the book isn't selling, or whatever. I'm just really straight with them. I don't, I don't beat around the bush. I don't, I also don't want to waste their time. I don't want to, I don't want them actually learned about this. Speaking of sports, we were talking about sports earlier. I learned about this from watching like the football documentaries on HBO where they had to cut players. And like, I just was always shocked that it wasn't really a conversation so much. It's just like, okay, Hey, here's the deal. Like you're getting cut. I think you're great, but you're getting cut. Um, and, uh, you know, really sorry it didn't work out. Um, you know, obviously if you have any questions, let me know, uh, you know, you can talk to so-and-so in the, in the training room or whatever. Uh, but it was very much like, don't beat around the bush. Don't waste their time. Don't make, you know, don't give them BS, just be straight with them. So in, in an instance where I'm canceling a book or I'm firing somebody or whatever, I really try to come at it from a, from a place of empathy, obviously, like I'm, this is a, a big deal, but I don't, I don't belabor the issue because nobody wants me to be 
they want to know why I've called them. <laughs> That's the other thing is like, I, you know, usually I will, I will send an email first to be like, Hey, do you have time to hop on the phone? I don't want to leave them in suspense, but I do like to try to have hard, hard conversations over the phone or in person. Yeah. And so that's definitely, that's definitely something that's really important to me is like just treating everybody like a human being. It's just trying to do a job. Like that's, that's what we're all doing at the end of the day. So, um, being straight with them, but then like, okay, so, so that's, that's an extreme sample of like, I actually have to fire somebody, but if it's like, Hey, you did a, I think you, I think you need to do a better job on this or that. Um, you know, it, it kind of depends on the person, but, but generally speaking, I try to, uh, a lot of editors do this thing where it's called like a compliment sandwich <laughs> where you start with like a positive, start with a positive thing and then like work in the neg- like the real reason why you're talking yeah, kind of reason. in the middle. And then you start, you end it with like a nice positive thing and a word of encouragement and all that. And I think usually that works um, mm-hmm. because I, I think people, you know, uh, people respond to, to being praised uh, better than they respond to criticism. But, uh, but that's, you know, I definitely have used that. Uh, and and, I, and I, I just think generally being encouraging. That's like why it's so important that the, the, the talent that you hire understands that you hired them because you like them and you like what they do and they know that you believe they can do it. And I think, you know, at DC, there were times when you didn't get, you know, you didn't actually hire the person. Like it was just sort of you're handed a team or you're handed a situation or somebody else makes the decision. And, uh, you know, I think it's really tough on everybody involved because there isn't that innate sort of, hey, I hired you because I think you're great. You, you have to say that, but like it's not always truly the case. And so it's, uh, it's, 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 it's different. It's harder. And, you know, like an example would be like, I didn't hire Christopher Priest on Deathstroke we ended up having a wonderful relationship, but it was touch and go at first. Cause I don't, and I think part of that is because um, it was like, he was unsure that I really wanted him to be there. And I was, I really did like what he was doing, but I was also, um, you know, I was, a, it was a stressful situation because it was rebirth and everyone was questioning everything. And so, mm-hmm. um, but not having that innate, that initial sort of like, Hey, I'm reaching out to you because I did what you do. And I want you to do that with me on this thing. Um, I think that's really important. And I, I think it was something, uh, I think it's something maybe that's not talked about because it's, it's so obviously like the way that it should be. <laughs> um, but uh, when you're working for a really big company, sometimes those, those decisions aren't made by you. And so it's, it's uh, it may, I think it makes the whole process more challenging. But at Skybound, I've hired, you know, everybody that I worked with, I hired, um, you know, it, and, and it's, you know, when, when, you know, the process of making Clementine as an example with Tilly Walden, like, you know, there was, there's a lot of back and forth, but like, she knows that I trust her and believe in her and she believes in me. And it's like, it's been like a wonderful creative process of getting these books done because there is that sort of trust and belief. And like, we're, we're all in this together. And at the end of the day, like, I know she's going to kill it. (laughs) And, you know, there may be things that need to get changed and that's totally fine. And she gets it. And, uh, so finding those partnerships with talent, uh, writers, artists, colorists, letterers, everybody that knows, you know, like, hey, we're all in this together. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I believe in what you do. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to do everything perfectly all the time, and that's completely okay, including myself. And so, uh, yeah, being able to say, hey, let's fix this thing, but like, you're the person for the job. So don't doubt that. Like, you've got this. I believe in you. You've got this. This needs to get tweaked, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe in you. 
I think that's, I think that's a big, I don't even know what the question was at this point. <laughs> I think that was, I think that maybe answered it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, one thing I would like sort of focus in on what's going to, um, going to Skybound as a senior, uh, senior editor. Yeah. Uh, did your, because uh, what was like, um, I, I want to sort of leave the DC stuff behind and really focus on what you're doing right now. <laughs> uh, is just, what were you relieved to be able to find yourself in this position? Were you able to, because now you're dealing with creators, you said creator owned, but it sounds like uh, some of the, Skybound Comet is also connected to the Walking Dead universe. Sure. Yeah, it's it's, so, it's not all necessarily creator owned. Like as a as an example, uh, Tilly Walden's Clementine is in the Walking Dead universe, so it's a Walking Dead book. Yeah, um, you know Robert obviously is a stakeholder in the Walking mm-hmm. Dead, so uh, Robert had to weigh in on things. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just generally speaking, at Skybound, um, we are like a, we really consider ourselves to be a creator first company. So it's really great. Um, I guess did, go ahead. More of what a comic book editor actually is, sort of, of, of like being uh, a somebody who's a friend in a way. Did that become more of it? I mean, because now you're you're shepherding a creator-owned book sometimes, and other yeah. times you're working with you know books that you guys own. But uh, let's just focus on the creator-owned stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that sort of your interaction? What what really did anything change, or was it, yeah. or did or was there sort of some pressure relief that now you're more of a partner instead of somebody overseeing and shepherding a shared universe and going, no, you can't do that because that guy's showing up in three months sure. and whatever. <laughs> did you feel like the pressure was off a bit to be even more creative and more interactive with the creators of these series? Let's that's just focus a, on the creator yeah. own. Yeah, yeah, that's such an interesting question. Like, basically, what's the difference between editing a a DC comic and a, and a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, a, and a, and a creator own comic, an, uh, an image book. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's, they're just, they're different. I wouldn't say the pressure was off in any specific way. I would say it was just, you know, the problems that you have at, at on, a, on one are sort of replaced by different problems on another. <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely, you know, I, I, it's it's totally different, and it's it it comes down to I think relationships become more important um, in the creator own space because there's more uh, competition. You know, there's only one place you can go to write a Batman comic. There's a gazillion publishers at this point that you can go to to do your own thing, um, and so definitely relationships become more important. Um, but then once once you're working on something the editing process is similar in that, you know, it's still a comic book at the end of the day and you're going to make, you know, give feedback on the same thing. But yeah, you're definitely thinking about things like, I guess, you know, it it is similar in a lot of ways in that you're thinking about how do I get noticed? How do I break out? How do I, how do I communicate what this book is? Um, How do I make sure that, that the creator is delivering like on what they, on what they set out to do? That is something I did at DC, but maybe it becomes more of a, of a focus at you know doing doing original things. Is the beginning the beginning of my my sort of uh, uh, editing style with any creator driven you know creator own book is you know what are you trying to do with this? <laughs> like what's what's your, what's your yeah. goal? Like what's what do you to what sell do you books? Want? But you know. you know, other than that, yeah, like, you know, I think that's you know all, you know Skybound's uh, uh, goal is certainly to, to sell books and do, do you know, that's the business goal, but like. 
you know, from a creator standpoint, what, what do you want to say? Mm-hmm. Why are you, why are you doing this book? What's it, what excites you about this book? Um, what were some of the touchstones as far as like tone and character and things that like you're drawing from for this project? Like, so being familiar with, I think you have to have a broader skills, like knowledge base and doing sort of original things because superhero comics are such a specific thing versus like you could do any genre, <laughs> you know, in, in, in the original space. So um, having those sort of broad touchstones and being able to sort of draw out, like, why are you telling this story? Like, I like the story, starting with that. Like you have to obviously have to start with a good idea that you like and good execution from the, from, from, from the jump. But um, why, what's important to you? And then my job is basically to keep that in mind as things progress. And if things feel like they're getting away from what the goal was at the beginning to say, Hey, just a heads up, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like we're getting away from what we, what, you know, this, this isn't pointing to this theme or this lesson or this, whatever. Um, do we like this decision, <laughs> you know, and, and, and very much being a part of the team and also kind of letting like, if there's, if there's a disagreement, you know, within reason, the tie goes to the creator, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's your book, man, like, whatever, whatever you want to do, I, I support it, but, like, I'm bringing this up because I see that there, there might be a way to do this better, or this might be a problem, or I don't understand this. Really, it's a lot of asking questions and, and, uh, and, and making sure that I know what they're trying to do, and sometimes they don't know what they're trying to do, and that's okay, it's just part of the, part of the process of, of creating and refining something, but, yeah, it's definitely... All these things were the same at DC. It's just it was. A, I would say there's more focus in that. Like we knew at the end of the day, we needed a very specific thing, versus this is. It's really more individualized mm-hmm. to the creator and what they what they're trying to achieve versus what the company is trying to achieve. You know. Now, um, with this the breakdown with Skybound, you have Skybound, and then which is an imprint at Image, if that yeah. correct. Yep. So, is there an agreement with? In a just to create our own book, is there an agreement with Skybound of keeping a certain approach to a series? And you know, is this all worked out up front where you're on a Skybound book and that means this, and that means the series must maintain sort of yeah. this approach? Or and going back to what you're talking about, what are we doing this? You know, what is the agenda on this yeah. book? What's yeah. your tone theme? Do you have to? as a senior editor overseeing editors and probably associate editors, you have to keep that sort of straight, what the company wants in a way. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I would say all of that should be worked out at the beginning <laughs> for the most part. Like if we, if we green light a book, it's because we feel like this book fits within the skybound, um, portfolio within, yeah. within, within what we do we're very you know elevated genre things that could feel like they sit next to walking dead invincible you know uh those kinds of books are the kinds of books that we want to do um in generally speaking that that's you know it's genre elevated genre um books that have big stakes <laughs> books that have big, lots of twists and turns books that have like a very human sort of core yeah, there's it is. thinking about like um, 
yeah, there's a human, really big human aspect of being thrown, th thrust into this weird situation, this really heightened element when that's I think of some of the, yeah. That's the so you've already, I mean, the creators should know this when they're yeah. pitching to you that, oh, my project would be appropriate for a Skypound, um, you know, tag to it. Then you're also, okay, this is, we are all in agreement on what's what we're setting out to do. So that's where, is that, you're coming into that or where, where's the rest of your team too involved in that aspect? Or when do you hand them, hand it over to them? Um, well, so, so Skybound's a pretty small editorial staff. Like I actually don't have an assistant editor. Oh, <laughs> I'm just doing things myself. Uh, but, but, we but what is the, what is the breakdown? And, is it yeah, a senior so, editor? Editor? So it's, there's editor in chief, Sean mm -hmm. Matthews, who's wonderful. Uh, everybody's wonderful. It's, it's Skybound, honestly. Um, but, uh, so he's editor in chief, sort of in charge of everything that we do. Senior editor is me. Uh, and then we've got two editors, uh, Amanda LaFranco and John Moisen. John's been with the company for five or six years, and Amanda's been with the company for about a year. Um, and that's the editorial staff. <laughs> and so we kind awesome. of all have okay. our own things that we do, but what's what's good about Skybound is it's very collaborative. And so, like, you know, on, on Clementine or on you know, any of these graphic novels that we've done, we do send it around to people for notes and thoughts, but at the end of the day, like, the editor is the one in charge. Um, and so the editor is responsible for delivering the notes, but also deciding what works and what doesn't work. Um, but, you know, all, all three of those people that I mentioned are super sharp and talented and, and definitely add a lot to the mix. So it's really a team. You know, there's no book that, even though there's only one editor maybe listed on the book, no book is necessarily edited by only one person. It's just, it's, 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 uh, they, they are sort of the final call, but we're definitely help, we like to help each other out uh, as much as possible. But yeah, I mean, going, going back to, sort of the acquisitions process. Yeah, that's part of it is like, does this feel like a Skybound book or not? Um, and there's lots of great books out there that, that I turned down because I was like, this just doesn't feel like something that we do. And I, like, I, I read all kinds of different things. And, uh, uh, you know, so like with, with our Young Readers line, one of the, the lines that we drew was like, we're not doing any memoirs, <laughs> you know, we're not doing anything like there are all a lot of other companies, especially in the book market. Like they want to do memoirs. They want to do sort of personal stories about, you know, coming of age stories about, you know, the author as a child or the author going through a specific thing or whatever. And those books can sell really, really well. Smile, obviously being the prime example of that. Um, but it's just, it doesn't feel like a skydown book. And, and there's lots of other companies that do that really well. So we're, we're just going to do what we do well, which is like big, fun, wild comics that, that have that human core. So. And when did you, I mean, to talk a bit about uh, Skybound Comic, I mean, Comet was, which is launching, what, in a couple of months, really, with Clementine, yep. I remember. Uh, June 22nd is all right. the direct market date <laughs> for Clementine. <laughs> uh what, did you sit down and really look over what makes a sky? I mean, we've already talked about what makes yeah. a skybound book, but did you go, what can we add to this? How can we shape, reshape it? Is it, was it an attempt to, was it an opportunity for you guys to maybe inject something else and other yeah. elements being, especially when you're doing, you know, YA and middle grade yeah. books with that launch? I mean, I think the philosophy was, we know what we do. We have a clear vision of kind of, an identity as a brand, as a company of what, what kinds of books that we do, but 
we want to do those books for a younger audience. And we, and we saw that like, there seemed to be a gap in the market for genre kids books, um, especially graphic novels, you know, uh, middle grade YA graphic novels and that, that it felt like, Hey, well, we know, we know how to do this thing. Well, maybe we could do this thing. Well, um, so that's where, that's where we're at. We're trying, we're trying, it's, it's a, we've learned a lot. It's a, it's actually completely going back to the business side of things. It's, it is a different business, um, breaking into sort of the book market, um, schools and libraries are way more important. Um, uh, parents, educators, like one of the, one of the great conversations I had early on when I started Skybound was with a longtime book agent named Judy Hansen, who, uh, you should get on this podcast because, uh, they're, they're really great. I think, I think they've got editorial experience, but Judy's, uh, represents all of the big sort of names in, in YA and middle grade. And uh, the, the first thing she said was, you're not actually selling books to kids. <laughs> you're selling books hey, to right. yeah. gatekeepers, to mm-hmm. the gatekeepers of said kids. So whether those gatekeepers are school, like school librarians, librarians, their parents, uh, older brother, uncle, who's going to buy their, get the, the books for them. They're not buying the books themselves at the end of the day, uh, which I thought was really interesting because it's kind of like those to make a direct market comparison. Like they're the retailers almost. They're the people that you need, or they're the um, you know, speculators. They're the people that sort of make noise and get excited about things. And it all sort of trickles out from there um, or trickles down. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting process, I, I think, but I think we've done a really great job and I, you know, not without its challenges, of course, but I, I could not be more proud of where we're at with, with Skybound Comet right now. I think the first three books are really good. I'm not, I can't take credit for, you know, two of the three of them really because they were in, in progress before I started, but uh, um, I, I genuinely think they're all great. And I also think we've done a really good job of planning and not biting off too much, you know, really keeping our line focused, um, really treating each book as its own thing and giving it its enough time, not only from a creative standpoint to get to a good place, but also from a marketing standpoint, making sure that everything feels like we're putting something behind it. Um, and, and using something like Clementine and the Walking Dead and Tilly Walden to elevate everything. That was another great sort of lesson I learned was when starting a line, like you kind of need a tentpole thing and <laughs> or a creator or whoever. And I think with Tilly and Clementine and Walking Dead, we kind of have all of that in one thing. So it's, it's, it's great. And like, you know, the re- one of the reasons I took this job was because I wanted to build something and help, help build something. And I, and I have felt sort of valued and, and uh, a part of that process and felt like my decisions mattered and felt like it was really, but, but also I was on a great team and I've always been a team guy going back to sports again. Like I've always been a team guy. And so uh, uh, it's, it's been really, it's been really great. And I, I feel like we've, we've set ourselves up for success as much as we possibly can. We've already got orders in for some of the books in the, in the, in the launch and they're, they're doing well. So that's wonderful. Um, starter views, all that stuff. It's all happening. So it's really, really exciting. Is there anything that you're taking from your early days watching Ben Abernathy and Mark Chiarello do their jobs? Did, is there anything you're using that you picked up from them that you're using now to oh, yeah. get this yeah. line going? Is there one or two things that you're like, 
these are good habits to have as an editor that now you're using today as a senior editor? It's a very good question. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I can, I can think of, it's like, I, I think any, I think I'm definitely a product of all of this experience. And so anything that I'm doing, like I almost can't point to one thing mm -hmm. because it's all cumulative <laughs> and, and any, yeah. like the editor I am is because of all those people that I worked with, all of the mistakes I've made, all of the successes I've had. It's all sort of in this soup that is Alex Antone at this point. So it's hard for me to distinguish, but um, yeah, I mean, I could, I, I, I was, as an example, there's one thing that I, uh, that I learned from Andy Kubert, who was a, um, he would go over a lot of the covers at DC and having conversation, just again, talking about influences and people teaching you things and just being open to learning at all points. Like I probably learned more sitting in Andy Kubert's office talking about covers than I learned in, you know, eight years at DC um, just because he's so good at it and knows how to break down an idea and deliver something that's exciting and, and uh, visually striking and clear um, so like in coming up with the Clementine cover, I was definitely using directly the same lessons and principles that I'd learned from Andy sitting and talking to his, in his office about Aquaman covers. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no one would ever know that. Uh, but, uh, because the execution obviously is totally different because Andy Kubert or Robson Roca is going to be a completely different person than Tilly Walden as far as, uh, art goes, but you know, a dramatic upshot always works. <laughs> and so that was, uh, I remember explaining that to Tilly and, uh, and, and crediting Andy for, for sort of instilling that in me over the years of, I remember going to him and it was just, it almost became a joke where I was like, this cover isn't quite working. What's wrong? And Andy would just, you know, change the camera angle and suddenly <laughs> it would work. <laughs> and it was like, okay, yeah, upshot. I'm just going to remember that. Let's going to remember upshot. Anything else happening uh, with the Skybound uh, comet? I mean, that seems to be the next big thing. Of what's yeah. going on? Do you have? I guess you're going to see how the three books go first. But I mean, we, yeah, we've got plans. we've got a long term plan. We've got more books. We're actually about to announce some books in like three weeks, um, mm. which I'm really excited about. Um, I think what's been what's been interesting about Skybound Comet and just my time at Skybound in general is learning learning about. The industry, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting two years. Obviously, I started right before the pandemic started. So it, it feels like the industry is a different industry than, than it was in, you know, uh, January of 2020. Um, but seeing things like, you know, successful web comics that then become really, really, really successful graphic novels, um, thinking about, you know, how to build your audience, how to, we did, we did a, I, one of the things I've learned how to do at Skybound is Kickstarter. Oh, really? I've never yep. done a Kickstarter yep. before. I uh, and and we decided to we acquired a book called Ava's Demon, um, which is a really popular web comic, and we ran a Kickstarter for her. And, and again, going back to the skills of an editor and problem solving, all of that, you know, saying some they basically told me, Alex, figure out Kickstarter <laughs> and and launch a book. Uh, via Kickstarter. Ooh, um, yeah, that's a really easy. Let me get back to you tomorrow it, with I that. You know? I, I did so much research. I talked to so many people. And again, it's just asking questions and problem solving and going like, what do I need to know? And finding a problem and being surrounded by 
really great people who are willing to help you and give the, you their time and their and their expertise. And at Skybound, we had a, a really good tabletop team because uh, at Skybound we do everything you know, audio, TV, tabletop, uh, video games, everything. Um, and so our tabletop team was very experienced at Kickstarter and talking to them and saying like, okay, what's an add-on versus what's a stretch goal versus what's a tier? Like what's the philosophy behind the, you know, any, any number of decisions that need to get made. And there's like a thousand, uh, when it comes to a Kickstarter, it really is like setting up a small business, but, um, being able to, to, to ask those questions and get that figured out um, and then launch the Kickstarter eventually and being given the time to do it. I remember we had to delay it at one point because I didn't feel like we were ready and it was all received very well because it, it, you know, it was very much like, well, we only get one chance to make a you know, first impression and we want to do it right. So let's delay it a month or whatever. Um, and when it came out, we ended up uh, at the time, Avis Demon, when we launched it, we were the, by the end, we were the top web comic of all time on Kickstarter. So it was a huge success, which has now basically has become a part of my job is to continue to do more things like that. Um, but just going back to kind of overall how to how the book business functions, how publishing functions, like thinking about how to find an audience, how to build an audience, how to how to like make sure you give the really hardcore fans something if they if you know it, it, that's really important you don't necessarily need you don't necessarily need a million fans of something you need you know a couple thousand who are really passionate about it and you can have a really great business um that's and and then you know hopefully with with something like a web comic that you acquire you can put it out in the book market hopefully it finds a new audience like nimona being a great example of that web comic or, or even Tilly Waldman's uh, On a Sunbeam was a webcomic first, and now it's, you know, it's you know, a huge seller. So um, really figuring out like what the best way is to approach each book is kind of the future of <laughs> comics and the future of what I'm doing at Skybound is you know, taking, taking that sort of individualized approach to creators, but also taking that individualized approach to the project and the book and on the business side as well, figuring out well, what if we launched this book as a webcomic first, you know, or what if we did this as a periodical first? This, this seems like something that the, you know, direct market would like. doesn't necessarily mean that um, it's going to make a zillion dollars in the direct market, but it seems like we could do that, build an audience for it, and then maybe it'll be a successful middle-grade book or YA book after that um, in, the, in the book market where the ceiling, the sales ceiling is so high. Um, strategy, I guess, is the future and figuring out, just continually making these decisions and trying to do right by the creators that we work with because we definitely view all the creators that we work with as partners and we're in it, you know, we're in it together. And so um, figuring out how best to do right by them and by the books and, and also the company, obviously the company, the, you know, we, we need to continue to function as a business and, and make money. And um, that's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot of decisions and it's a lot, it's, but it's, it's fun. And um you know, going back to that graphic, like I like being able to do all those different things and not having to focus on just one or two. I like the broadness of the job. I like the fact that, you know, one minute I could be deep in an Excel spreadsheet and the next minute I could be talking, you know, to somebody about a very specific thing in the story. And the next I could be looking at art. Next, the next I could be talking to uh, the PR and marketing teams about kind of what, what the philosophy is for this or, or that or going on a book tour, talking to librarians uh, about the book. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot. It's really fun. Um, 
yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a fun job. And I, I'm interested, I'm interested in, cause I'm guessing since you've been doing this podcast, you've talked to uh, a lot of different editors and I feel like if you ask them kind of what an editor was, they'd all have a kind of a different answer <laughs> because, or they would have a uh, one or two things that they were more focused on than others. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's really a special, unique thing uh, because I don't, I don't know, maybe there's other jobs that are the same, but it seems like every editor is going to have their own style. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like having, you're not, you're not going to talk to two editors that are exactly the same or have the same philosophy or approach, which I just think is interesting. Yeah, it is. And I, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I started the, the, uh, the podcast, because I was always wondering, was I doing my job right? Because yeah. I never, I just sort of got thrown into it and then I'm dealing with A-list talent and I'm going, am I making a fool of myself and <laughs> talking to my bosses? Going, what the hell is this guy doing? Or, or am yeah. I doing it right? And there really is no, one answer for yeah. any editor it really is a as you said a cumulative thing of experiences um and uh ability you know ability you know of learning stuff and there are there's crossover there's approaches and i think one thing is communication yeah is if you're going to be an editor you can't be yeah. scared of communicating with people and the whole spectrum of it can't it's not going to be all happy happy joy joy you're going to have to deliver bad news but how you do that can you know help everybody involved yeah. in it in a way instead of just destroy careers or <laughs> people feeling like crap so yeah. it is it is communication yeah but there it's now i've been doing the podcast for a while you are beginning to see of like yeah there is no real answer what makes an editor but there's a lot of similar answers i guess yeah 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 well yeah at the end of the day we're all putting out comics and you know there is a there is a function to the form (laughs) (laughs) uh and so yeah, but like, you know, we're, all of the different editors that I've had all have different origin stories and different experiences and how they came to comics and things that they like about comics and comics that they want to make. And um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm constantly learning from the talent. I'm constantly learning from other editors. And it's, it's cool. I don't, I think, I think there's nobody, I guess what I'm saying is you're never going to have somebody come on this pod, podcast and go, all right, I, f- I figured it out. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, that's not going to happen. It still hasn't happened. <laughs> I know everything. Uh, oh, then maybe that'll be my last time I do my podcast. So that'll be it. You so. can, that can be your thesis where you're like, all right, I've determined the, what makes the perfect editor and you can, you can synthesize them in a lab and then you can license it to Marvel and DC. My work's done it. here. <laughs> I'm just going to patent it and then make millions. You know, so now, Seeing you're a first-time guest, and I haven't done this in a long time, and I'm going to let you go, but I got the lightning round, which is something I've moved away from because I've been bringing back people. But the lightning round is for first-time guests, and it's basically... You should have listened to the lightning round on some of the other podcasts to know what the questions were. They they change a bit. It's uh, (laughs) 1.4 questions, just to sort of put a nice little bookend to the whole conversation we had of uh so whatever comes to mind just quick uh answers and uh and i'll let you get to enjoy your the rest of your sunday so um what creator living or dead would you uh like to edit or wish you had the chance to edit 
<laughs> Brian K. Vaughn uh, is my favorite writer, and I I don't even know what I'd have to say to him because I think he's so great. <laughs> but I would love to work with him because I'm sure I would learn a ton. Uh, he, he's one of the reasons I got into comics, uh, reading, you know, Ex Machina, Why the Last Man, um, Runaways, like, uh, so yeah, just being in proximity to BKV would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's my answer. Okay. What comic are you reading uh, that you have read recently that just wowed you? Um, I just recently I read the the first issue of Shadow War, which is the DC uh, event with like Deathstroke, Batman, and uh, and Robin. And uh, you know, it's I feel like uh, I'm, I'm I'm pitching a corporate event here, but it's, it's, <laughs> it is a great event, and it's really like as someone who's done a bunch of crossovers and knowing that like oh my god how crazy was this to pull all together. I guess the difference in the, in this case, it's the same writer of all the books, but, um, I, that first issue of shadow war felt like a, a big fun summer, I guess, early, late, late spring, early <laughs> summer event should feel, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. While you're working, what do you prefer to have on music, audio, you know, uh, a radio yeah. podcast or, or just the TV or just silence. Depends on what I'm working on. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm working on a spreadsheet, then I need music to entertain my brain uh, and keep me going. If I'm reading something, I need absolute silence because I can't, I can't focus uh, on. I, I, yeah. I need, I need the space for my brain to, to work. Uh, and so if I'm reading, it needs to be, needs to be really silent, which has been uh which has been a challenge at times, <laughs> especially in the pandemic. True. What's your favorite comic book convention and why? Oh God. So traditionally I would have said Emerald city comic con because, uh, that's a popular, one. like so many creators <laughs> go to that and it's like not too big and it really feels comic centric. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a good bar close by, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Honestly, I went to PLA recently, and as far as, like, the actual convention of it goes, PLA was so much fun because it's librarians. And librarians, uh, the difference is, in, at, at Comic-Con, and to a lesser degree, but when you go to Comic-Con, like, you get people to come up to your booth and are like, oh, they still make comics. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, this, okay, where do I get my free thing? So, uh, it's... It, at PLA, at the very base level, you have people that are interested in reading <laughs> because they're all librarians and they're also there for business. So they have a real purpose to coming up and talking to you. You're actually pitching the books and giving them, you know, uh, you're still giving them free stuff, of course, because uh, that's, that's any convention. But I love the level of enthusiasm I got from librarians that really seem to care about the material and also wanting to engage with, with the publisher. And yeah, it was, it was really neat. Cool. Well, hey, Alex, that's it. Thank you very that's much. It. We did it. Well, yeah. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate being able to talk about this very, very specific thing <laughs> that I'm not sure uh, uh, that many people are interested in or know about. <laughs> so I appreciate <laughs> the opportunity. And as a listener of many podcasts, this is this was fun. Thank you. It <laughs> to, was fun here. It's awesome. Right. Thank you for all the great answers. Yeah.